wanted to, so this is our social media maven in the kingdom of God and our favorite teacher, lecturer, preacher, woman of God that is just touching the world, you know, through what we do at the Promised Church. So I want to honor her too. We don't get to do that all the time, right? But we love you. We appreciate all you do. And, and Terry, you too, because we know you do a lot behind the scene. He's working on her office down the street. I heard you had to fix about eight leaks, but anyway, God bless you. We know you do a lot without looking for praise, but we just celebrate you and we're thankful that you stand together and work in the kingdom of God together. So we love you. Thank you, Brian. Oh, sure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. We just, uh, we, uh, on YouTube, uh, I, I told my husband this morning, we've been watching this one of our videos uh, YouTube is the hardest platform to, to go viral on, of course. And we've, we've done well. I've shared every time we, you know, we had a, a couple videos go over a million views already <clears throat> on YouTube. And, but Facebook and, and it, it, this one particular one, it went to 1.7 million on, on TikTok. And so I saw it starting to grow on YouTube and we were kind of watching it. We're like, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go. And this morning I opened up the phone and it said it was at 1 million views. I was like, yes, Jesus, come on. So it's... It's awesome to see, and uh, we are up at, um, I checked, uh, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with what we're doing, we reach people through the world. I have a salvation video on, on YouTube that um, a lot of the shorts that we do, short reels, lead people to that video, you know, so there's a purpose, and then when they get that salvation video, then they, they download, it, it leads them to what the gospel is, and then they get to download the God's Plan for Your Life book, which is a step-by-step, -step, you know, what to do next, and when they download that book, we get their email address. So it's a confirmation. Because I tell them, right, I prayed it under there if you prayed the prayer, but it's hard to keep track. So if you have an email address, at least I have a portion of that amount. And we know that when, there's people that say I prayed it and they're never going to download a book because they're just not going to read it. So they're just not going to download it, right? But I was checking it uh, just the other day, like two days ago, just to see what we were at. And we're at 898 contacts. <laughs> that have said the prayer, downloaded the book around the world. I mean, isn't God good? Isn't that great? Uh, and we just started that in June. So you can just see in the, the momentum. So I appreciate, I see so many of you jump on uh, my YouTube channel and Facebook, because I'm my own, Cindy Hope says, and just like the videos and keep the comments going because it all helps the algorithms. And we're reaching people and it's only just the start of what God's got for us. It's a whole, it's a whole ministry and, and thank you for uh, supporting me on that. All right, so today we are uh, gonna do part two. We started last week with the crown and the kingdom, and today we're gonna talk about part two. I'm gonna recap just a little bit because it helps for, for people that maybe missed last week, but also just uh, for yourself. It sometimes helps to hear it again. Uh, so I, I started by explaining how I'd been watching the show The Crown on Netflix, and it chronicles the life of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, if you haven't seen the, the, the Netflix show. And, um, you know, watching it, it was interesting because her whole life she devote, devoted to the monarchy. She devoted to protecting the crown, uh, the monarchy. She was devoted, everything she did, every thought she, she processed, every word she said, the way she acted, what she expected of other people, everything was in accordance with the monarchy, its rules, its way of, of being. Whether good or bad, when you watch the show this is not a judgment I'm not passing judgment I'm just explaining what she did and it was interesting because at the end of it that's when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me yes through Netflix uh, as he began to speak to me 
and just kind of show me the similarities between what she did, how that was run, and our what we are to God, that we are part of his kingdom. That, that when people come to Christianity, a lot of people in the world tend to say that it's a religion. Of course, if you have to classify it under something, I get it. But the problem is there's even believers that would consider their relationship with Lord as a religion. Yes, I, I, I have a relationship. I made Jesus my Lord. I go to church on Sunday because that's what you do on Sunday, right? Or I, I've made Jesus my Lord because I heard there's a hell and I don't want to go there one day. So he becomes their ticket to heaven. But what happens is when people live in this lifestyle of thinking that Christianity is a religion, then they don't operate in any of the power, authority, or kingdom rules that they are supposed to. This is why there's so much uh, people looking at each other going, well, if, if God is real and Jesus is real, why does your life look like it looks? You know, why is all this happening in the church? Why is that happening? Why is that happening? And, and in all honesty, the unbelievers have a right to point the finger. Because there are a lot of people who just did the minimum because that's all they've been told. Oh yeah, come to church, say the prayer, and you're good. And there's no expounding on what does this mean? Is that what Jesus came? He came so you could just get a ticket out of this earth one day to heaven? Really, was that the point? Jesus' first sermon he ever preached puts us in our place. He's quite, quite the opposite. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, he says this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, repent doesn't mean just to come to the altar and cry and say you're sorry. Real repentance means to actually have a change of mind. It means to change the way you've been thinking about something. So when you find out this way of thinking is wrong, if you find out, hey, I'm supposed to forgive, then you have to let the unforgiveness go. You have to change your mind about holding on to that anger and you have to forgive. It's the same with every sin. It's the same with everything we come into contact. When the Word of God, when it brings life to us, we go, oh, 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 I gotta change that. That's gonna take a minute, God, because I've lived my whole life doing that. And he's like, yeah, that's what repent means. Repent means to change your mind about it, to accept the truth, and I'm gonna walk this way instead. So Jesus says, I've come to tell you that your way of thinking has been wrong. I've come to tell you that the way you've been thinking is what's kept you in bondage. And remember, those, they had the law. The Pharisees, they had the law. They had the books of the Bible. It wasn't that they were ignorant to that there was a God. But he was saying the way you've been looking at everything is wrong. I'm here to change your way of thinking. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring his kingdom. When you read the Bible, the Bible is all about a king and his kingdom. And you are royalty. The story is about a royal family and you are royalty. So enjoy that. Have a look at the person next to you and say, Your Highness. Enjoy the moment. So the kingdom, the kingdom is not about a religion. It's about a country. And in this country, the kingdom has its own laws, it has its own culture, it has its own morals and values and its own way of doing things. 
And when Jesus came, he also said, look, I'm bringing the kingdom here, but I don't want it just to be me and us for no more. I want you to colonize the earth. I want you to colonize, which means to make this place look like heaven. What is in heaven? I want you to bring it to earth. I made this statement. I said, God's plan was never to get you to heaven. And if we would preach that, God's plan is not to get you to heaven. You already came from heaven. That's where your spirit came from. Nobody, you, no, God is the only one who can release the spirit of life into you. He, from within himself, your spirit is in you. From your birth, he sent you on a mission. Your mission is to colonize this place to make it look like heaven. He wants to expand his territory from heaven to this new earth. So you are a heavenly being in an earthly body on a planet called earth. And you've been sent to colonize. The colonization is the extension of the king's influence over another territory. So everywhere you go, you're supposed to colonize. Well, Cindy, you have no idea the work I work in. Man, there is so many people there. There is a lot of uh, like unsaved people. I was talking to this one lady at Bible college and actually I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about this, but I'm gonna throw it in. It was a while back and she was explaining to me, oh, I, I have this one person that's a Christian friend and anyway, and story about that. But then she said, all the other people, especially this one girl, she is just a Satan worshiper. She acknowledges it and she's got tattoos all over her body and she is just so outspoken. I said, oh, so she's perfect. I said, that's the one you're supposed to be friends with. She was like, what? No, but I'm, I'm like, I had that one Christian friend. I go, no, 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 this one. This is the one that's desperate. This is the one that's crying out. This is the one that will get saved first. Because if you're that outspoken, I say, just ask her questions. Ask her, so how did you become a Satanist? What does that mean? Do you pray to Satan? Ask them questions. Be interested and actually be interested. And you'll build a rapport to the point where that person will come and see the light and you'll get your opportunity. Build a rapport. Don't shun them. Bring them in. God put you there. Yes. That's what it means to colonize. Yes. Yes. So God is expanding his kingdom from heaven to earth. And you have to understand this, otherwise you won't understand the Bible. When you read the Bible, you have to look at through the eyes of this is the plan God's laid out for me. This is, this is the blueprint that he's laid out to go, okay, this, what were you supposed to do? Okay, and what did you do? And what have you done in the past so I can make sure that this, this, you can do this again? Oh, you made walls fall down in Jericho. Hmm. So then what I'm dealing with here, not a problem. Right, because you've done this before, this is part of the plan, and I'm, if I'm supposed to do what you've called me to do, I can expect the walls to fall down, right? Because that's part of the colonization program. Like, this is what you're doing. I love this quote, it sums it up best, so I'm just gonna read it. What is a kingdom? A kingdom, it is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent. Producing a citizenship of people who reflect the king's culture nature, values, and morals. A country where the citizens reflect the king's lifestyle. That's who we are. We are meant to imitate the king's lifestyle. And this is God's master plan. And as you can tell, we are the plan. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, oh, God's got a plan, it's happening. No, actually it's you. You, you, you are actually the plan. <laughs> so stop trying to push it off on me. 
people love to call me, oh, I've got this idea. You should, no, you should. God didn't give me the idea, he gave it to you. I will encourage you, I will support you. Get on with it. Don't bring me your plans. And in Genesis, we see God gives us dominion and we see it again when Jesus, uh, after Jesus wins it back, after the cross, he takes it back. He gives us dominion over the earth. He leaves us to be ruling and reigning and have authority and dominion on this place. Done with his heart. So I never have to explain, oh, well, that means, oh, you're saying people can have dominion over people. No, if you have God's heart, you would never even think those thoughts. Because God is loving, kind, merciful, gracious. So yes, you can have dominion and rule and authority in a loving, kind, gracious way. Okay? I am not condoning any abuse of any sort. That is not the heart of God ever. Just compare it to God's character. If it doesn't match up, it's from the flesh. Ooh, I like this church. Church is fire this morning. So you've probably heard it quoted. Most times when people pass, uh, pass away, they, they, people will quote, quote these words and they'll say, you know, they're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Because it's a scripture that's quoted. So if we know that we are here to colonize the earth, we're supposed to do this, how do we know that we're doing a good enough job? I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, is, am I? Am I, am I on track, God? Like, are you pleased like with what I'm doing? Am I, am I, should I be doing more? Like, you know, all these questions. And if you're human, you wanna know. And if you really want to know, how do I get those words when I get to heaven? Then we gotta read this parable. So this is Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It's a bit of a read, but this is Jesus. This whole like chapter basically, he's giving examples of what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and he gives a parable. And the kingdom of heaven is like this, and he gives a parable. So he's trying to get people to understand what it's like. So he uses this example. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, some people's Bibles say talents, uh, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I earned you five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. So uh, let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags. I invested them. I earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small. I'll now make you, give you more responsibility. Now the servant with the one bag came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. 
But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given and then they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus didn't mince words. <clears throat> so how do we hear well done and good and faithful servant? It happens by stewardship. Stewardship in the kingdom. So although we have dominion and rule and reign, we are not owners. God is the owner of everything. We are stewards. God produced everything. He created the earth. He created us. He created everything that's on the earth. We didn't have anything to do with it. We can't recreate it. People have tried. We can't invent it. We can't create a new human. We can't create a new earth. We can't do any of that. It's all God's. We are just put here as stewards. Even your car that you think that you own, that you drove here in, you don't actually own it, even if it's paid for. Because that metal that created that car came from the earth that God created. The oil, the glass, everything in that car came from the earth that God created. So you are a steward of that. My dad used to say when we were kids growing up, he'd say, I don't care. While you live under my roof, you're going to church on Sunday and you're going to clean your room because I don't want to live in a pigsty. Implying that the house was his, right? What's he implying when he says that? Parents, you've said it before. This is not your house. I'm sure you've said that to your kids before. This is not your house, right? So you're saying you don't have ownership of this. You are here to steward. You're here to listen to me. So the same thing is true. Even though God puts us to rule and reign in this, we are just stewards. The mistake comes when we think we are the owners of our lives. The mistake comes when you think you're the owner of your resources, when you're the owner of your finances, when you're the owner of your relationships or over anything that you own, you think you own, <laughs> you are just a steward. You don't even own your life because it can be taken from you. And one day it will. When God decides, and there's a majority of the time you have very little say when he decides it's time. So you don't even own your life, but he expects us to be a steward. He expects us, what does that mean? He expects us to manage it. That's what a steward does. They manage it. They oversee it. And this is what he's asking. He says, I'm asking you to manage, to oversee, to steward your time, your family, your work, your abilities, your talents, even your anointing. There's a scripture that I have underlined it a lot in my, my Bible. Guys, you don't have it. It's 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, where uh, Paul says that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Yes. Even the, the revelation that God gives you, you are required to be a steward over that. Yes. 
you are required on like, you can't just go and you know, dump on somebody who's a, a new Christian coming up all about eschatology. They're gonna be like, oh, what, what's happening? You know, you are required to steward what God is showing you, even how you reveal things. Every part of our life is requiring that. So now let's look at the parable about how, uh, how he expects us to do this. I'm gonna break some of the things down. First of all, he starts by saying the kingdom of heaven. This is what it's like. So we know we're supposed to imitate on earth what heaven is like. He goes on to say, this, this is a story of a man going on a long trip. Who's the man going on a long trip? This is the, this is the, the, the entertainment, this is the communication part of the service. Jesus. Jesus is going on a long trip, right? So Jesus is going on a long trip and the servants in the story is? Us, yes. So us's are the servants in the story, right? And he is promoting them and giving them money. So you can use this word, we can interchange it for, for the use of it, we can call it our talents, we can call it our gifts. In the story, in context, he is actually talking about money. He goes on to say that he gives one five, one two bags, and to another one, only one. But this is the line that I love. He says, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. I thought God was fair. I thought he gave everybody equal the same. I thought we were all the same. Nope. Nope. Not everyone is equal in talents and abilities. Not everybody will get the same amount of money given to them. Not everybody will get the same blessings. Just let that sink in for a minute. God doesn't want you to live in comparison or jealousy either. Just because somebody's got more or different than you, don't envy or be jealous or compare yourself. Because with that, comes more responsibility <laughs> and you're barely coping with what you've got but you're like oh i want that you're like no that would kill you god knows you'd be in an insane asylum one of those white jackets going, oh you know like seriously people just look at that like oh my gosh that looks amazing i just want their life no you don't no you don't no you don't god's given in proportion to your abilities he knows you best and he doesn't look at them differently. He didn't look at the one who only had two condemning or down or judging, no. He's like, I gave you these abilities. I know how much money to give you that you can use to prosper, to work, to increase without it hurting you. I know what abilities, I know what talents I gave you because I know what you can handle. But don't sit there and be like, oh, I'm the only, you, no matter where you are on the spectrum, God is, happy and he gave it to you accordingly so if it's only one he still expects you to do something with that one but don't live in comparison or jealousy that is the cancer to contentment you cannot you oh, that was good that wasn't even in my notes I would, yeah he is the cancer to contentment really so don't go there so what happens next so after a long time Woo, Jesus has been gone like 2,000 years. It's been a while. You know what I'm saying? After a long time, Jesus returns from the trip and he comes and he calls them to what? Give an account. People are like, we're not going to have to give an account. We're going to get to heaven. It's going to be all good. Mm -mm. Give an account. And what you see is that both the servants that had the, the five and the two, what did they both do? They doubled it. They doubled what God had given to them. And what did God say in return? 
you're faithful. Well done, you are faithful. So what God calls faithfulness is increase. What God calls faithfulness is increase. If you're wondering what faithfulness looks like, it's called increase. Then the third servant comes who hid his money. You know, years ago when I used to read this story, I used to kind of feel bad for the guy at the end, the lost guy. You know, I'd be like, he was scared. Like, you know, it's God, right? It's like you're, you're a little afraid. Like, okay, I'm like, he tried. He hid the money in the sand. It's not like he spent it. He did give it back to God. Why is he so angry with this guy, right? Okay, if you didn't think that, that's fine. But for my people in the back who did, you're with me, right? I get you. Somebody in the back there is like, yeah, I thought so too. Why is he being so harsh? But then I had to read the story and it says, when Jesus replies to me, he says, you wicked and lazy servant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? And then I had to ask myself, why didn't he deposit the money in the bank? I mean, the bank gives interest. I mean, if you were scared, at least deposit it in the bank. Why didn't he deposit it in the bank? Because a bank keeps records. Ooh, process, process. The bank keeps records. People would have known he had it. There would have been a responsibility to do something with it because the bank keeps records. Mm, I'm going somewhere with this. See, he, I actually think we can take the scripture down. Thanks, guys. I actually think he didn't think the master was coming back. He's been gone a long time. I'm just gonna go and put that money. I'm gonna go dig a hole in my backyard right here and just dig it where nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about this hole. I'm just gonna hide the money right there because I don't think he's coming back. If he doesn't come back in another year, I'm just gonna spend it. I'm just gonna live like I want. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm, nobody even knows I have it. See, and that's what some people do with their finances. It's one thing to hide it from the IRS. It's another thing to try and hide it from God. You're like, mm, this is all my tithe. I, yeah, this is, a, this is the tithe. This is the tithe I've got. Well, this is all the tithe I've, I've got in the bank. This is all the tithe I got from the money I put in the bank. But that's not all the money that you hid in the safe or in the hole. Can't hide it from God. And he's coming for an account. Because you, the reason you were able to make that money is because you have special abilities and talents that God gave you. Yep. The ability to make that. He gave it to you. Yes. And he's expecting you to increase it. And as it is increasing it, he's noticing. I love how people are like, I just know. What do you think the omniscient or powerful God? Like he didn't, he didn't see you slip that around. No, no, I didn't see that God. Can't hide it from God. He's coming, he's coming with his record book. He's coming to settle his accounts. But there was something else that bothered me with this guy. Because I'm like, okay, you could hide it, sure. But why didn't he ask for any help? Like, okay, you know, maybe he didn't know how to manage money. Maybe he didn't know how to uh, start a business. Maybe he didn't know these things. But he could have reached out 
He could have read some books. He could have asked advice, right? He could have done something. But honestly, I think Jesus calls it like it is. Lazy. You're lazy. And the thing is, people aren't just lazy in their finances. People are lazy in all different parts of their life. There's people that are like, oh, no, I mean, you know, I know they say raising a kid is difficult, but I mean, like, okay, I can figure it out, right? Women have figured it out for years. Why do I need to read a book? Why do I need to learn from uh, parenting classes? Why would I need to do that? People have done it for thousands of years without it, right? It's lazy because you don't want to actually put the time in. And God is saying, raise your kid well, help them, especially in this time. We need help, we need tools. You need tools in your marriage. Oh, well, I don't want to go to marriage counseling. And marriage counseling is for people that the marriage is on the rocks. Well, that's why they go, because by that time, it's too late. If you go before then, you learn communication, you learn how to help, you don't get your marriage on the rocks. But it's laziness. Honestly, God calls it like it is. And three things that God will never bless. Ignorance, laziness, and stinginess. Three things God will never bless. Ignorance, but I just didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. And God is like, in this day and age, ask Dr. Google. You know, Google is like an answer. I mean, honestly, we're so spoiled. You can ask anything. My husband laughs at me all the time because he'll say something and I'm like, Google, and up comes the answer. He's like, it's just crazy. We are so spoiled. You literally can ask it and get answers. I'm not saying, you know, it's always truthful, but depending on something, if you need help on a subject, it can send you to different books. It can, there's a lot of things, right? So some of the time, it's just, we want to play ignorant. The cop pulls you over. Oh, I didn't know the speed limit had changed here. You know, he doesn't care. Ignorance is not his fault. God puts all the answers in front of us. It's our responsibility. Also laziness. God doesn't bless it because he's not lazy. Jesus said that my father is always about his work. Why is Jesus telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like? Wait, I thought we weren't going to work when we get to heaven. And stinginess. God does not bless stinginess because he gave his son. He gave all that he had. He gave his best. He gave Jesus. So when you are generous, that's just a sign of you being in the kingdom. That's just a sign that your heart is now in line with the king's heart. But you know, I, honestly, I get annoyed uh, some, with the high school and, the, and what they teach sometimes. Obviously, now it's worse than ever. But when I went to school, they didn't teach how to, how to create a budget. They didn't teach what mortgage is on your interest or what interest is on your credit card, you know? No, they didn't teach these things. And so then you're put down in the earth. And then once you're, once you're in the world, then God blesses people. But because they weren't taught how to manage or steward it, now they go buy a car they can't afford. They use credit cards that get sent to them in the mail that, that run up. And now they're, they're drowning under their own debt and weight and heaviness. And they can be no good for His kingdom. Because how can you give when you're barely trying to make all your bills paid off and you're trying to pay down everything? How can you go up to somebody when God says, go up to that person, give them $20 for gas? You're like, God, I need the $20 for gas. You know, do you understand how important stewardship is? You can't be of any good to him while you are under the cloud, so to speak. And it replies to every area of your life. Every area. Finances is just the easiest to pick on. But if you want to be able to help other people, you have to be emotionally whole. You have to do the work. God's not going to do the work for you. Read the books. Go to counseling. Speak to people. Get what's going on in your heart right so you can be something that God can work through. 
He's not going to do the work for you. You have to do it. As I said, this applies, stewardship applies to every single area. <clears throat> but what God gives us, you know, with, we're talking about the stewardships and the talents and the money. God gives us work because it gives us purpose. See, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, in the garden, Adam ate and survived off the garden. Did he not? So Adam didn't need money for food, correct? So Adam didn't need a job. He needed a purpose. God gave him work for a purpose, not because he needed it. Now look, a job gives you a paycheck because you need it. You have, need, you have needs, you have stuff we have to pay for. It's understandable. A job gives you a paycheck, but your work gives you a purpose. God understands we have needs, we have wants, and He provides, and He gives us work for a reason. But beyond that, some people's purpose is in their actual job. Other people's, it's beyond their regular job. Because some people are creative. God is creative. God is an inventor. That's why you're an inventor. You have creative ideas. You want to write books. You want to be an engineer. All these things, or you are. These are things that God has put in you for your purpose to be played out. It's not just about, yes, telling people about Jesus is all intertwined with your purpose. Who you are. What are your creative abilities and talents? And the biggest mistake people make is that when they retire, they stop working. See, you can retire from your job, but not your purpose. You can find a purpose no matter what your age is. Because there's always people around you that need encouragement, that need help, that need, you can go and be on our outreach team that goes out on Tuesdays, goes to the mall two by two, and they pray for people. And you heard last week about the miracles that are happening with our outreach team. See Margie over here, by the way, taking applications now. Um, and you can go and do that. And a lot of our people on our team are retired people because they have the time. They can go on an afternoon. I understand that. But what a great way to minister to people, to let God use you as a vehicle, as a vessel, you know? Uh, Nancy, who was our, our runner-up valedictorian uh, for our Bible college last year, she had, she had offered to help tutor any of the new students going through Bible college because it's a lot for people. She said, I'll sit with them. I'll help them. I'll tutor them. I'll help them get ready for their exams. What an amazing offer to give somebody. And if Bible college students, if you're struggling, see Nancy over there, raise your hand, Nancy, wave at them. See Nancy. Okay. Like that is something you don't have to be, you know, crazy with your ideas, but there's purpose within what God gives you. You're never without a purpose, without work. Because God has a kingdom and there's people around you hurting, broken, lost, whatever. And what he wants you to do is partner with him. How can you, and if you've got a career or a job, how can you partner with the Lord in what you're doing? I'm going to give you, as we close, I'm going to give you a few examples of companies that have partnered with God in what they're doing. We'll start with Chick-fil-A. Mm. Truett Cathy said the importance of closing on Sundays, if you don't know they're closed on Sundays. The importance of closing on Sundays is so that he and his employees could set aside one day to rest and worship God if they chose. Their corporate purpose listed is this. 
to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Doesn't it just make you want to go and get some fries? You can't, they're closed. Mary Kay, to my Mary Kay people that are here and watching, Jody's watching, the other Jody. Jody. She, we all know Jody. She drives a pink car half the time, Mercedes or something. Um, this was Mary Kay, what she started with. She contributed her company's success to the choice to partner with God. Her words. God has blessed us because our motivation is right. He knows what I want. I want women to be the beautiful creatures he created. With a little help. And we love the help, don't we, ladies? Hobby Lobby. Their mission statement. You know, most people mission statement is kind of like, you know, not triggering, right? You don't want to like set people off just from your state. Let them come in the door first, you know? No, this is their mission statement. Honoring the Lord in all we do, in operating the company in a manner consistent with biblical principles. We believe it is by God's grace that we have endured. He has been faithful in the past and he, we will continue to trust Him. So you can partner with the Lord. You can choose to look at your work. They're not handing out tracts at the stores. They're not necessarily doing whatever. I know in and out you just put scriptures at the base of their, of their cups. And if you've never looked at the bottom of the in and out cup, there's a scripture. Um, and you know, there's ways to do this, always keeping the kingdom in mind. So when you wake up in the morning, you are an assignment. You are on a mission from God. Yes, you have to take care of your family. You have to do whatever. You have your job to go to. But within that, I always say, what have you got for me today, Lord? What is, what is, on, what is the kingdom's purpose today? What can I do? How can I partner with you today? What does this look like to dream with the Lord? How can I include it? How can I achieve what He wants me to do? Because at the end of the day, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. And uh, just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to give you an opportunity. If, uh, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you feel like you've stepped away from your relationship with Jesus, maybe it has just become a religion Maybe that's all it was. Maybe it was, uh, uh, maybe it was just something you did on Sundays. I need the lights up just a little, guys. Not so dark. Um, if it's become that, then you need to get right with your heart with the Lord. You know, that's what he says. When he says repent, it means to change your way of thinking. So as, as the Holy Spirit spoke to you today, he was saying, hey, listen, you have to change that way of thinking. That's an old way. You're never going to walk in the power and the authority and everything God's got for you in the kingdom. You're never going to fully understand your purpose until you fully submit to Him. And you humble yourself and say, I can't do this without you, Jesus. So if you've never done that, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and submitted your life to Him, then I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you. God's going to hear you. And instantly you'll be translated into his kingdom of light. 
I want to give you an opportunity if you've come back to the Lord, if you feel like I've backslidden or I've just, it's just been a religion in my life. It's not been what you're talking about. It's not been me walking in the kingdom. Then raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you as well. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. I'm going to have my ministry team come forward. Thank you, Jesus. The people that raised their hand, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your mercy.